It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 433 of Locked On Raptors for, I guess, Sunday, December 9th. You're probably hearing this on Monday, December 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd. We got Locked On NBA with David Locke, as well as a bunch of other hosts from across the network filling in to make that a daily show. Weekly contributions from Ben Golliver and Sam Amick over there, too. Uh, And all the shows are available on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel, a fantastic resource to get all of the local daily podcast that the, the network provides for you. You get the great local perspective on all the big stories going on around the league and you get the national angle as well with the Locked, with the Locked on NBA show. So make sure you're checking all those out. And if you find a show on the network that you like, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places you get your podcasts. It's very, very much appreciated. And uh, let's get to today's podcast. I'm joined by our pal, Vivek Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Uh, nothing much. Uh, obviously, a disappointing loss uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they obviously took care of business in a big way on their home floor, so you wanted the Raptors to come out and respond. Obviously, that game had no Kawhi or Giannis or, or any of the implications that people will make uh, out of this game. Mm-hmm. But uh, I still thought uh, this was a big statement for the Bucks to take care of business the way they did at home and now to come to Toronto and get the win um, and close out the game the way they did. I thought it was very impressive. Yeah, so the Bucks just beat the Raptors, 104-99. Uh, the Raptors had a chance near the end. They uh, retired, I think, in the 97s, and then Malcolm Brogdon hit a couple threes. Uh, actually, the Raptors were up 97-94. Malcolm Brogdon hit two threes and put the Bucks ahead to stay, and you know they tried to get a look at the end with Kawhi Leonard for three to tie it at 102-99. Uh, it was a deep three. It was a pretty deep three. It was you know 30 feet or so from just in front of the logo, but I don't know. I thought it was a shot that you don't mind taking. Kawhi's very good at shooting threes. He's like whatever he was, like 8 of 11 over his last two games or something absurd like that. I don't know a problem with him you know, testing out the, the range a little, a little bit there, but obviously not the uh, result you want, and they lose the game 104-99. I guess the big story of this game, which we can get to now before we get into some of the nitty-gritty stuff of this matchup, Kyle Lowry, he did not have himself a night. He had zero points in 34 minutes played, 0-5 from the field, 7 assists, 5 boards, uh, was still somehow a plus 7 because plus minus is dumb. Um... But, and the starters are good, even when he's on the court, and he's very good at other things, obviously, as well. But uh, I don't know. This is now five straight games for Kyle, under 10 points. He's been wayward with his shot for quite a while now, even dating back to like that Warriors game where he you know, was kind of cold the entire night except for one really big three that he hit late in the game. Uh, at, at what point does it become a serious concern for you? Are you concerned like overall just yet about Kyle Lowry? What do you think is going on right now? 
So for me, I mean, it's more about when he's looking for his shot that worries me, right? Yeah. Um, with the way he shot the ball over his career as a Raptor, you sort of accept that there's going to be, you know, peaks and valleys with the shot, and uh, you ride that. But uh, I, I think the, the the passiveness that he's shown over the last few games, I I was concerned. I mentioned it uh, after the Denver game, him uh, sort of not even looking at the basket or not even thinking about a shot uh, in that game worried me a little bit. Um, you want him to have sort of no conscience when it comes to uh, shooting his threes because he's at his best. He's the best three-point shooter on the team. So uh, you would think the Raptors as a team as well would be willing to ride and die with that shot. So I think that's the mentality that he needs to have uh, when uh, taking that shot or at least uh, getting the ball on the catch uh, with the opportunity to shoot. Um, And again, we saw more of that hesitation uh, in this game, the passiveness, just... Like not it, at times it looked like he wasn't even looking at the rim, not even thinking about a shot. Um, so I think that's what's most discouraging. Obviously to him, he's such a smart guy where it's probably getting to into his head where he's just thinking this is not a good shot for the team mm-hmm. uh, till I get it sorted out. Um, but the only way he's going to get it sorted out is by continuing to shoot. So I think that's something that he needs to get over and get over quickly because uh, the Raptors have now lost three or four and um, they, they're they not going to win on this West Coast trip with him taking uh, under, you know, 10 shots a game. Yeah, no, you definitely need that secondary scoring. If there is one sort of flaw with this roster, it's that there's just after Kawhi Leonard, if Kyle Lowry's not humming along and he's just not been the secondary scorer for most of the season, as was the case tonight, like Serge Ibaka has kind of been the number two offensive weapon. I guess Siakam as well is kind of in that mix. They kind of flip-flop back and forth as to who the number two guy is on offense. Um, and, and like the fact that Ibaka is the second leading scorer on this team, like if there are people who are looking to the poke holes in the Raptors superficially, they're going to be like, oh, Serge Ibaka is the second leading scorer on this team. That's not good. Blah, blah, blah. That's not sustainable. Blah, blah. I don't know. I don't know how much I care about that. But, you know, you have to have, you know, secondary scoring to help augment what Kawhi, what Kawhi Leonard does, obviously. And the point you made about Kyle being such a great shooter, that, like, the reason Kyle Lowry became Kyle Lowry as we know him today is because he became uh, just a monster at shooting threes off the dribble. It, it's like him, Damian Lillard, and Steph Curry. That's been, like, the threesome of guys. And I guess Kemba Walker nowadays, like, those have been the guys who have kind of led this charge where point guards just kind of affect games with their gravity so much. And Kyle was just as good. Like, I mean, maybe not quite as good as Lillard. Obviously, no one's as good as Steph. But, like, very much in that conversation as the best pull-up shooters at the point guard spot in the entire league. And, like, it just, it's weird. It seems like the assist, like, collection so far this year and just, like, the enforcement of his playmaker role and just sort of, like, the, the amount of conversation that's gone into it and the amount that he's talked about it and the amount the team has talked about it, it just seems like almost when you get into a rhythm and, like, a pattern of doing something, it just seems like every single time now he's going to Serge Ibaka or Jonas Valanciunas on the dive and not looking for a shot even a little bit. It's just become force of habit at this point. And I don't know how you break that habit. Maybe it's just, like, you 
you just do it and you you know make a conscious effort to find a balance where you're taking the shot a little bit more often because it's just going to help everybody right if teams know that he's never going to take that shot which he's perfected and become so dangerous with over the last five years if people know that's never coming like that's going to make it that much more cluttered for Abaka and Valanciunas or whoever else is setting the screen for him too and you know Kyle's smart and as you said like and there are very few guys as smart as him in the entire league I do think eventually he'll figure that out and sort of find that balance. I just think it's shifted way too far towards the the playmaking side of things in his brain. And I think he needs to get his sort of offensive, you know, like attack mode brain kind of reignited a little bit. And I don't really know why his shot is so off. I mean, there's talk of like injury and stuff. Obviously, he missed the game last week against Cleveland with the back injury. People seem extremely concerned. There's calls to sit him out and stuff. And like, yeah, I'm all for resting Kyle. But also like... The Raptors' medical staff is pretty good by all accounts. I mean, we don't know what the inner workings are, but, like, I don't think they'd be having Kyle go out there and play 30-plus minutes a game if he was actively hurt. I, I don't know. How do you sort of view what's going on with Kyle right now, and do you think they should just, like, sit him down, or is there something just, like, in his game that is not really tied to health which is causing him to be so wayward from three right now? Yeah, first of all, uh, you're spot on about the gravity, right? Like, if he's not looking for his shot, it takes away his biggest strength that he brings to the table. I mean, obviously, he brings so many other things to the table, which allows him to be a positive factor outside of his shot. But mm. uh, offensively, when he's not able to space the floor or even willing to consider shooting the ball uh, from deep, then teams can hone in on that and say, okay, well, he's not even looking at that shot. We can, you know, hedge a bit more on Ibaka. We can uh, take a bit more time uh, on Kawhi when he's got it. And we don't have to, uh, you know, worry about how much we're dropping. So um, things like that uh, are going to affect the offense. And like you said, it does get a bit more cluttered when he's not looking for that shot. In terms of Ko- uh, in, Ka- in terms of Kyle Lowry's rest, um, yeah, I do think that's a big issue. Uh, you look at last season arguably being you know his most consistent postseason that that was because he played his fewest minutes that's because the Raptors managed his body extremely well mm-hmm. um, now obviously there are different things that played this season early on you're looking to develop that chemistry with uh, Kawhi Leonard you're looking at you know Fred Van Vliet being out at the beginning DeLon Wright having an injury so maybe those opportunities weren't quite there um, and now you've got this big West Coast trip where Presumably, you want him out there as much as possible. So there's not going to be any rest really coming up now. Um, but I think the Raptors have to be proactive in seeking out those opportunities um, where they can rest him, where they can manage his body, and honestly, just protect himself uh, from himself. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Kyle Lowry does not know how to play low leverage minutes. Right? Mm-hmm. He only knows to play the game one way. He's going to go balls to the wall all the time he's going to look to take those chargers he's going to uh, play as hard as he can so that is something the Raptors just have to accept this is how he is we have to protect him from himself uh, if let's face it if he's going to be the best version of himself in the playoffs which is all going to factor into Kawhi's decision ultimately mm-hmm. right he needs to know that he has a second guy that he can rely on that he's got uh, a Robin to his Batman and um if Kyle can't be that guy, then obviously it makes that a tougher decision for him to commit to. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely all for the rest for Lowry. Yeah, and like again, I don't really know if he's hurt or not, but like you got this back to back coming up, Clippers, Warriors. I I wonder if they're gonna aggress Kawhi from one of those. He's had a pretty right. like heavy load the last couple of games, but 
he also seems to be playing better than he has, and he looks kind of explosive, and Nurse has kind of talked about them kind of getting close to being done with the back-to-back -back resting, so we'll see how that works there, but I, I wouldn't hate to see one of them rest one night, the other rest the other night, something like that, if that's the plan. Um, if the sort of the bit, if the long game is really what they care about, then I, I don't really care about losing those games, to be honest. The, the standings are the standings. They'll, they'll, they'll sort themselves out. It's probably too early to be caring about that stuff. And honestly, it's too early to be that concerned about Kyle Lowry, I think. Like, had he already not had a part of the season where he was shooting, like, 60% from three and his true shooting was, like, 95 for, like, like half a month and he was playing, like, prime Steve Nash... I'd be a little bit more concerned of like, oh, has he, is he hit the, hitting the wall or whatever? Is he kind of on the decline now? Like, we've sh he's shown this season that he's not on the decline, at least not yet. And, like, you don't just forget how to play basketball over the course of a November. Like, it's just, I'm not that concerned about Kyle's play just yet. And, I don't know, he still does very good things. He was out on the court at the end of the game in this one, and I thought he did some really nice playmaking in concert with Serge Ibaka, even with the sort of cramped spacing that comes with Kyle not taking that shot at the top of the, of the pick and roll. And, you know, I think maybe some people will be like, oh, Kyle, why was he out there? And he had that missed three that he took uh, that was uh, sort of a turning point of the, of, the, of the crunch time, you know, proceedings. Uh, when he missed that three, I think it would have, tied the game at 100 if i'm not mistaken or I can't... no that that would have that would have put the raptors up six. Oh, that's raptors. right okay and then brogdon yeah. comes down and ties it that's right um yeah. yeah i had my order of operations uh screwed up there but yeah like okay that's why i'm here yeah did you <laughs> appreciate it man uh you were totally fine with him being on the court in that situation right like you're not you don't think it's at the point where he should just not be playing no i mean that's the thing right like yeah. you've got to push him to snap out of it um you've got to push him to be assertive and so um I don't know. I guess now, now that I'm thinking about it, it, what is going to push his buttons? Right? Is it going to be a benching at the end uh, at the end of the fourth quarter in a tight game against a conference rival that sort of says, you know, okay, yeah. I need to find a way to get back out there, or is it, you know, getting on the court and getting him shots in the final minute where he's just sort of forced to be in that situation? And it's like, okay, we need you to snap out of it, you know. So, uh, yeah, I guess I can see both sides of it. Um, and maybe if there was an opportunity to do the former, uh, it would have been tonight just because of the way Fred VanVleet was playing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see both sides of it. I, I don't know Kyle Lowry well enough to know which, which is going to work better in terms of uh, getting him back to his best. Uh, but the Raptors, I mean, the, the one thing we all agree on is the Raptors definitely need him uh, to be much more than just a distributor. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one last note before we move on to other things. If you're one of the people who tweets at Kyle Lowry wishing him death because he's playing bad basketball, uh, A, fuck off and stop listening to this podcast. I don't need your listenership. Uh, and B, just like maybe find a new thing to care about, man. Like you care about this too much and you're absurd. And uh, yeah, there's no room for that garbage. And just like even the people who are just like wetting themselves over the slump, like it's fine, man. Like... It's December 9th. Yeah, shocker that I think everything's fine, but really, it's December 9th, and this is there's a longer game, longer game at play here. And Kyle's had slumps before. 
like last year, for example, at the start of the year, he what he could barely you know scrape over ten points for another long stretch, right? It was like seven or eight games where he couldn't get over ten points, and he wasn't doing the distributing he was doing or he's been doing this season. So I'm not concerned. It's going to come around, I'm sure. And whether it's a little bit of rest or just a matter of him kind of getting a stroke back, I mean, some of these misses have been very bad. I'll admit that. Like a couple of them, like go backboard first and then bounce off rim, like a little bit gross looking, but. Um, I, I think it's far too soon in the season. It's not even Christmas yet. Like, it, just give it some time. Let it breathe. Not every instance, not every game against a very good team matters in the grand scheme of things. Like, yes, this game against the Bucks has some meaning, obviously. You're trying to see how these two teams stack up. It's the first time we get to see Kawhi and Giannis go, go against each other. Um, but overall, just, like, cool it a little bit. Just, I, I know I'm in the interest of people being interested all the time, and, like, that's good for business for me if people are clicking on stuff and being interested and fully absorbed on December 9th. But, like, just self-care, man. It's a, it's a good thing. And you can kind of take a step back and realize it's, it's very, very early on. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, that said, though it is early on, the Milwaukee Bucks sure made a statement tonight. They looked very good. Uh, I thought both teams played excellent defense in this game. Like it was really fun to watch these teams both kind of try to figure out the the riddle that is both Kawhi and Giannis on offense. And mostly the riddle was just send multiple dudes their way, and hopefully you can uh, force the ball to their hands. And I thought the Raptors in particular did a really good job early in this game um, of of doing that. I thought the first quarter, near the end of the first quarter, was some of the best defense I've seen the Raptors play in a long time. Nick Nurse went with Pascal Siakam at center for a little bit, and I kind of had my reservations about it because it was up against a Giannis Ersan Ilyasova front court and that's the kind of thing where it's almost too much of a rebounding disparity to get away with it but they looked fantastic they were switching everything OG Ananobi his offense his offense is very much struggling right now he was another 0-3 from deep again tonight um, and he was a minus 16 team worse on the uh, for the team tonight but like he still, for some reason, is really good guarding Giannis. Like, better than, I think, anyone on the Raptors right now. There wasn't a lot of Kawhi on Giannis tonight. It was a lot of Siakam and OG, and, and, and Kawhi was more on Middleton for most of the game. But, I don't know, what did you think of the way the Raptors defended the Bucks? Do you think they did a reasonable job? I mean, Giannis had 19-19, and 19, so it's like, I don't know how good that is, but I thought they did a pretty good job, and I think this is going to be kind of a fun chess match going over the course of the season and into the playoffs if these two teams come across each other. Yeah, defensively, I thought it was really interesting to see the way both teams defended each other. Um, I agree with you about that first quarter. Probably some of the best defense we've seen all season. Uh, the rotations were crisp. Everyone seemed to uh, understand their matchups and be on top of the scouting reports in terms of what they allowed. One guy who seems to just have no regard for that is Brook Lopez. Yeah. Um, and yeah, to see what he's doing this season with his three point shot is. Pretty spectacular, um, to, and it just speaks to how talented NBA guys are that they can just sort of take a summer and be like, okay, I'm going to be a, a three-point sniper now, and that's exactly what he is, which fits in perfectly with what the Bucks are trying to do. Um, and I think what's interesting for the Raptors uh, is what they maybe 
took from that first game in Milwaukee where part of the defense is having an offense that can sort of match up with the math of mm-hmm. the, the that's that's something that the Bucks are doing so well this season uh, with their three point shooting um, and the way they've upgraded their offense. So you almost have to keep up on the offensive end. And so I thought the Raptors were definitely more conscious of that uh, with the threes. They took 44 attempts tonight, um, made 15. Uh, so there was no advantage for the Bucks there uh, in terms of threes made. Uh, there was a bit of a discrepancy at the line. So, you know, again, that, that comes with aggressiveness and getting to the hoop. Um, and Kyle Lauer was a big part of that. So that's something that they'll have to get better at. Um, but I thought, it, again, one thing that's really, uh, that, that I found compelling is the way uh, they've, the Bucks have tried to make Serge Ibaka a scorer. We saw that mm. in Milwaukee where Ibaka had that 30-piece, and that's when Kyle Lowry was really uh, scoring the ball. And the Bucks sort of said, you know, we're going to send two guys and we're going to make sure Kyle doesn't have anything going uh, for his own individual offense. But it really opened up uh, the pocket passes for Lowry, and Lowry kept hitting him in that mm-hmm. game. Uh, I, I pulled out the box score. In that game, you had Lowry finish with 15 assists. Yeah. Um, and so Ibaka, you know, he had an efficient 30, um, but a lot of that came in the mid-range where he was just killing that uh, pick and pop and and right around the rim as well. And I think that's something the Raptors were conscious of coming into this game where you could see Ibaka, it, it was clear that he made a point of when he was popping, he was stepping out to that three and taking the three instead yeah. of settling for that mid-range two. Again, 11 attempts, he makes four of them, which is great. Um, so that's an interesting uh, sort of dynamic. Then uh, we'll see how we'll have to see how that strategy plays out over the next. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure these two are playing each other two more times um, in the regular season and then obviously uh, potentially in the playoffs. So I think. That is the next factor uh, that's going to play out in this series, how Ibaka um, is played. I, I'm sure it, it, it's obviously working for the Bucks. So I, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to keep going uh, to it and until it's broken, they're not going to fix it. So um, if the Raptors have another counter to it, that'll be interesting. Um, maybe uh, you run a little less of the Lowry Ibaka pick and roll. Um, try to get him going offensively maybe run more of Kyle and Kawhi yeah. uh, pick and rolls and you know see how that goes um, but yeah I, I think there's a lot at play with that matchup so I, I think that's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out yeah all good points I, I think um, I, I don't know I'm not sure I'm like upset if I'm the Raptors if the Bucks are going to let Abaka take 17 footers all the time because that's like a fucking layup for the Raptors at this point like and right. like yes Abaka's shooting a bit above his career percentage from there but like he's like a career 55 56% three point or, or uh, field goal shooter from like whatever it is 14 feet to the three to the three point line so like I don't know how much the Bucks really want to live with that obviously if you're if you're going to be funneling that many possessions to Abaka that's that many shots that aren't going to Kawhi but um, or, or Kyle or whoever else you want and I guess you'd want the sort of you know distribution of shots to be a little bit let's a little, little less skewed towards Abaka like tonight with 21 field goal attempts for Abaka like I don't think you'd prefer that you'd like you'd rather Kawhi be up in that number or, or even beyond that you'd probably rather Siakam get more than that but like if that's what's going to happen and maybe they were just willing to live with that and not really 
you know, this is the kind of matchup where you kind of have to, you know, keep some stuff under the vest a little bit, right? And maybe they were just going to live with the Ibaka, you know, sort of led offense tonight. And then when it matters more, maybe that is when they bust out that Kawhi, uh, Kyle pick and roll. I think they did it a couple times tonight to great effect because obviously, um, uh, and maybe we get Valanciunas in there a little bit more. Valanciunas had a rough night tonight, but I think like he's usually been pretty decent against the Bucks. Although I guess it's a different beast with Brook Lopez. He's kind of always struggled with Lopez, and then maybe that makes him unplayable in this matchup. I'm not sure, um, but yeah. Before you continue, I just yeah. I just had to look it up. Yeah, uh, Serge Ibaka is shooting an insane. Uh, 72% on the season uh, from 16 feet to the three-point line. That's gone up since the last time I checked that. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> his career high was that final stretch with the Raptors after he got traded to Toronto from Orlando. Yeah. Um, those 23 games where he shot 52%. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's uh... It's so probably going to come down a little reasonable bit. Reasonable for yeah. the Bucks to think that that's that number is going to drop at some point. Yeah, that's that's uh, probably fair. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I think there's probably a little bit of just like not being in a rush to bust out new stuff to counter what the Bucks are doing to you, right? And I think that's probably the same for Milwaukee right. as well. Like, the, not, neither of these teams, I think both of these coaches kind of know what's up, right? Like these are both long game coaches. They've been in the playoffs. At least Budenholzer has. Co- Nurse, Nurse has been. There as an assistant, he's seen what happens to the Raptors in the playoffs firsthand, um, and I, I think there's probably a bit of, a, um, you know, a bit of a feeling out process here because this is the first time we've seen these two teams at full strength or close to it uh, so far this year. Uh, Chris Middleton going three of nine, interesting. I, like having Kawhi just like to. Th- uh, what do you think of the decision to not have Kawhi be the main guy for for Giannis? Do you think it's better maybe because Giannis is so unguardable anyway to sort of use that very valuable resource that is Kawhi's defense and just stick him on Middleton and, and try to you know take away that secondary option the way Kyle was taken away for the Raptors tonight or, or the way the Bucks did that to Kyle in the first game? Because I, I think that's not like the worst idea. Um, you know, considering OG's done a pretty good job on Giannis, and considering that Giannis is going to get his anyway, and maybe the best way to defend him is just to send two dudes, no matter how good a defense they are, his way. Um, to be able to throw Kawhi on Middleton and say and hold him to ten points and five turnovers, I, I think that's probably a pretty good use of defensive resources. But what do you think? Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting because the one thing that's great about Kawhi is when he's off ball, he sort of squeezes. Uh, the offensive team just because of the passing angles he's able to take away yeah. and you know I, I think you saw it even when Middleton was trying with those entry feeds he was just able to knock the ball away um, so I think that's an interesting wrinkle and then you know if you have uh, say Isiakama and Giannis and now you send Kawhi as the help uh, off of Middleton like <laughs> I think it gives Kawhi that flexibility um, and you trust him uh, enough to be able to get back out to Middleton to make uh, to make that stop and I, th- I think the other aspect of it too is knowing that Middleton's been struggling the last little while right like yeah. he got benched the other day for, in the fourth quarter for Sterling Brown um, he really struggled against the Golden State Warriors uh, on Friday night so I think preserving Kawhi in that way as well to to be at his best on the offensive end probably has something to do with it as well um on some level uh nurse may also be thinking at the end of the day Giannis is going to get his anyway mm-hmm. um so uh you know um I think that might be a bit of it too so uh I think I think I think the way the Raptors played it tonight was very good um the, the Bucks were just just scorching from three early on it seemed like um 
obviously the Raptors made up a big uh, differential there in the fourth with the way they were shooting. I think at one stage they were five for eleven from three in the fourth alone. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, if 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 you can do the math, if you can keep uh, pace on the boards the way the Raptors did, I think that that, that was a big factor coming into this one um seeing how the raptors would match up against a very good rebounding bucks team um and you know it was pretty much even uh, all night so i thought the raptors did a good job there uh again you know at the end of the day you you just you just need kyle lowry to play better yeah that's uh that's kind of what it comes down to the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, quickly before we wrap here, the Bucks traded for George Hill over the weekend. He didn't play tonight. Jason Smith is also on this team now. I'm not sure that matters even a little tiny bit, although it's funny that he's no longer on the Wizards anymore. The fact that they're like, oh, we fixed it. We got rid of Jason Smith. I wonder if that was a thought Ernie Grunfeld had at some point. Probably is, because he's an idiot. Anyway, um, <laughs> George Hill, uh, how do you think he kind of fits into this matchup? You know, I'm not sure like George Hill's that good anymore he kind of feels like after that really great season with the Jazz it's just not been the same for him um and yeah that's weird the way yeah. he's just tailed off yeah like uh, I'm not he sure was so good with the Jazz yeah like he's like what their third best guard now behind Bledsoe and Brogdon right like he's not gonna start I don't think unless they just don't want Brogdon starting but I, I don't know I don't know why you wouldn't start Brogdon he seems better than George Hill at this point um yeah, and he, yeah. I, I thought he attacked uh Van Vliet off the dribble really well tonight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think I I would expect George Hill to just spell Eric Bledsoe, and that way there's less pressure on him. I, I think obviously on a night where he has the hot hand, he's uh, probably going to see some closing minutes uh, ahead of Brogdon. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's a solid backup option, someone you trust more than Del Vadova, and you know his spot up numbers over the course of his career have been great. Yeah. Um, that's what you want against uh, want around Giannis. Um, so I think that was probably some uh, factored into some of their thinking and going out and getting him. And you know he's a veteran guy, and uh, I think come playoff time, obviously he has uh, some finals experience now playing with uh, LeBron last year, so that can only help. Um, and he's been in a lot of battles, and so I, I, I think those little things, those intangibles, uh, can be a factor and. You know, obviously Delvadova had that too. So now you just you've made sure you don't lose out on that either, and yeah. acquire what you expect to be a better player. Yeah, he's definitely better than Delvadova. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, yeah, I do. I think there's some nice potential for some like three guard lineups for the Bucks, which for them, considering how much attention it seems like Giannis is going to garner in very important playoff moments, just because it's the only way to stop him. Having lineups where you have Brogdon, Bledsoe, and Hill on the on the quarter all at the same time, and then maybe even playing like Middleton at the four and just going super small and shooty, that could be kind of fun, and also would be a nice way to kind of ensure that there's good playmaking and decision making on the court at all spots if it's going to be forced out of Giannis's hands when it really matters most. So I think that's a nice little move. I, again, I'm not sure how much it moves the needle entirely for the Bucks. I think that like. 
I thought probably they were the second best team in the East before the trade. I still think they're probably the second best team in the East now. Um, you know, tonight's game, I'm sure some people will come up with the take like, oh, the Bucks are now the best team in the East because that seems to be how the regular season goes, where it's just like a constant swapping of belts, which is highly annoying. But um, I, I think this kind of keeps them at the same level. It's just I think it's a nice little piece where, you know, it might, maybe it does win them a playoff game just because it's him in there instead of Della Vadova, and that, that's a nice little upgrade. And we'll see how, I mean, obviously he's hurt the Raptors in the playoffs in the past. He wasn't particularly, like, damaging last year, I wouldn't say, against the Raptors. That was more the Raptors in their own damn heads after game one and also LeBron being LeBron. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's a, a nice little move. And the three-point guard lineups, like the Raptors and Bucks in a series – where they where, where it's like Van Vliet, Lowry, DeLon, Kawhi, Pascal up against Brogdon, Bledsoe, Hill, Middleton, Giannis. Give me some of that shit. That that'll be really fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's probably good. Do you have any stray thoughts on this game? Any other notes that uh, kind of came to mind for you? Um. No, nothing crazy. I mean, Don Mucker didn't didn't go off like he usually does he had a couple of nice moments but um <laughs> you know you kind of ex- expect the worst from him uh it, well as, as from the Raptors side of things uh so that didn't happen so i guess that's a bit of a positive but uh yeah i i think we touched on pretty much everything there needed to be done actually one thing uh What's this up? was uh, came up in the broadcast actually they had a one-on-one with nick nurse and this was during a stretch of the first quarter. The bench issues kind of became less of a problem as uh, Kyle Lowry's struggles became more pronounced in this one. Um, but I do think the bench had one of those segments, and they had one of these against the Nets on Friday uh, as well. And we didn't talk about the Nets game. I don't really care about the Nets game. Who cares? They lost. It's fine. The, 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 the Nets play hard in their shitty style of play where they have to try hard and shoot threes because they don't have any other talent. Um, it worked for them tonight, so that night. So good job, Nets. Um, you matter to me not. But the, the there was this stretch in that game where I think it was at the start of the fourth maybe where it was just like back and forth both teams unable to score like the Raptors bench defense was pretty good but their offense just couldn't buy a bucket and the same thing happened tonight they ended up giving up a 7-0 run to the Bucks to start the second quarter with that all bench unit out there and like the, the looks they were creating just weren't anything special right there was a little bit more in the way of like Van Vliet and Valanciunas chemistry but a couple misses by JV that maybe would on a regular night go in um, but OG's shooting still be, remains a very real problem. DeLon was 0-2 tonight. He was kind of rough in his minutes, um, although I don't think Wright's being particularly used that well because I think he should have the ball in his hands significantly more, especially if Fred's going to be hitting his threes like he did tonight. Like, turn around those responsibilities, please, and just have DeLon create because, A, he's more dynamic and can actually, like, see over defenders, and, B, Van Vliet's way more dangerous as an off-ball threat. But um, Nurse made the point, actually, in his little clip that they played on the on the broadcast that like maybe it's time for me to start settling into one set bench unit to get them running together and have them build some chemistry as opposed to kind of mixing and matching obviously you know with the starters going in and out and Ibaka and Valanciunas sort of sharing the load there two to one kind of I guess is the ratio for Ibaka to JV but with that change happening there's just not a ton of continuity with that second unit the way there was last year which is the same five dudes going out and ripping throats out every single night um, do you think there's some sort of a, are you surprised that Nurse said that? Because I didn't think he was going to be a guy who cared about second unit continuity, but maybe he is. Um, and B, like, do you think there's something to the idea of just having a set second unit that runs out there every game? Um, yeah, I, I like that he said it because 
you know, I, I, he's been a straight shooter all along so far. So I like that, you know, he's open to talking about stuff like that. He's yeah. mentioned, you know, that he feels like he's getting about 32 good minutes consistently and he's trying to work that up to 36, then maybe get that up to 40 and sort of go from there. Um, so part of that is having a productive bench uh, night in and night out. Uh, yeah, I do I do think uh, the center uh, rotation has something to do with that. And I think if at this point you've seen enough to know that Ibaka is going to be the guy in the big matchups, like you look at uh, Golden State, you look at Milwaukee, you look at Philly, you look at Boston, um, those are the games we've seen and we've seen Serge Ibaka start all of those, uh, then maybe you know it's time to just ride him. Uh, the rest of the way, let Jonas Valanciunas develop that chemistry with Van Vliet and DeLon Wright um, and try and get to more of a set rotation. Um, maybe he also has in the back of my, uh, of his mind that uh, Norman Powell will be back soon, so uh, it's going to be easier to figure out what's best there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think it is important to get that bench unit as productive as possible because uh, um, one of the little things that stems from that is those nights where the Raptors are building those 15 and 20 point leads. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can maintain those leads, now those are minutes that Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard don't have to play. And maybe, you know, when the Raptors were doing that in the past, if Kyle Lowry didn't have to play those minutes, maybe he's not in this funk that he is in right now. Yeah. So, yeah, um, so yeah I do think it is important to get that flexibility uh it, in terms of product productivity from different units, so yeah, maybe maybe uh, consistency is something that matters um, to players who you know just can't go out there and out talent other guys, you know. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I, I think I think that that's possibly a uh, step in the right direction. And I don't even think it necessarily has to be a set five man all reserves unit, right? Like it doesn't have to be the hockey changes, no. right? We, we, no. We've seen Nurse already dabble a little bit in staggering. And I think that thing that's been noticeable is that Siakam with the bench always seems to work and produce results. And I would imagine Lowry playing with the bench. He hasn't really done it this season. And a lot of it's been Kawhi playing with the bench. And those lineups have been fine, I think. Nothing really notable either way. Um, but Siakam, it always seems to work with him in the bench. And if you can find ways to get one of Siakam, Lowry, or Kyle with the bench guys and sort of work in OG with the starters a little bit more often because I think that's maybe where he's a bit more comfortable too. Uh, I think that's probably a direction you want to head in. Obviously, you keep starting Siakam because you want to get him as many minutes as possible because he's awesome. But I I think there are ways to get creative here. And I I trust Nick Nurse will get creative. He's a creative guy. And again, it's still 28 games in. It's a third of the way through the season. He'll find some way to you know kind of work in some experimentation i i by but no but that i by no means think he has done uh his like mad scientist experiments right like he's gonna figure some stuff out he'll see some new lineups i'm sure there are some lineups we'll never see again i'm sure there's some lineups we haven't seen yet that we'll see at some point in the next little while here and i would imagine as we move into like the second and third uh sort of thirds of the season i suppose like this next little phase, I think we'll see some stuff maybe we haven't seen before. And I think the last part of the season is going to be where you kind of refine the stuff that you know works and you get that as much run together as possible and you kind of get as much data on those lineups as possible just so you know exactly what lineups you're going to trust and what guys you're going to trust at certain times of games. It's a, it's a work in progress, but I think, the, the again, as with Kyle Lowry, as with most things, there's so, so much time left to figure all this out. It's going to be all right. Um 
this podcast was very all right. I, I'm actually energized now. I was feeling about a little bit dead. Had myself a bit of a night last night. I uh, I've been inside wearing a toque for the last like six hours just because I've been too lazy to take it off, and it's hurting. It's 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 soothing my sore head. Um, it's it's been a rough day, but this was a good podcast. Vivek, thank you for coming on, man. Anywhere people can check you out right now. Thank you. Uh, usual spots, man. Raptors Republic, Sportsnet, The Athletic, Vice Sports. Um, yeah, just hammering away as the season goes along. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, FFMJacob on Twitter. You can follow me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. The reviews are very, very much appreciated, and they go a long way. They make us more visible. They help to put us up in the rankings so people can, uh, you know, discover the show more easily. And we could build more listeners, and then I'm more energized to do the podcast because we have more listeners, and, and it's all good stuff. I, I love doing the podcast anyway. It's the best part of my day. Um, especially today when I was feeling dead. Anyway, uh, Patreon subscribers, there's going to be a new podcast coming earlier this week as well. Uh, I was trying to get it over the weekend, but just didn't have the time um, or wherewithal to do it today. Uh, but there will be Patreon, probably two Patreon pods coming up this week. I'm going to do like a top 10 ranking of all the moments of the post-Rudy Gay era. You can also listen to last Friday's Lockdown Raptors with myself and Joe Wolfon, where we did like an hour and 40 minutes on the post-Rudy Gay era. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, it will continue to be fun despite this loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll be back again on Tuesday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Until then, uh, take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 